It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your co-host, James Rapine. Today, we've teased this episode for a few days now, James. It's time to get into the Bengals positional spending episode of the 2021 offseason. We're going to start the show today by giving you an overview of what the Bengals have done in terms of positional spending over the last seven years. We're going to go through the entire roster, identify trends, identify the averages, And it'll give us an idea of what they like to spend on offense and on defense in the last seven years. That'll give you an idea of where they might spend some money this offseason. After we go through the overview, we're going to take a look at where specifically the Bengals are spending more or less than they average or than they historically have. Going position by position, we'll start with offense, we'll go to defense. So that's going to be the show today. James, This is really interesting stuff to me because when you look at the positional spending in 2021, there are some significant variances from their historic averages. But to understand that, I thought we would start with what they've done historically. And Jake, by the way, shout out to Jake because he put together this really nifty chart that uh, makes it really easy on me to see these historical numbers. So you're the man for that, and uh, pat on the back, and everyone pat Jake on the back for that one. Uh, yeah, let's start at quarterback, where uh, you, me, a lot of people probably have said, all right, rookie contract, Joe Burrow, you're saving money there. You have to take advantage of that, and that's a fact. I think that's fair to say. But I was a little surprised, and I, I knew Andy Dalton was on a fair deal, but when you look historically, the Bengals usually spending about 10% of the cap at Andy Dalton's peak at the quarterback position. And so going into 2021, if they keep Ryan Finley, who's under contract, obviously Burrow, Brandon Allen, a unrestricted free agent. So we'll see there. But they're at about 6.5%, which isn't much different than their average uh, of 8.6% over the past, what, six seasons uh, since 2014. So that was the one thing. You're you're expecting this big difference percentage-wise or money-wise in your, that you're investing in the quarterback position, but at least from a percentage standpoint, it's just a couple percentage points different. It's a testament to the value the Bengals got from the Andy Dalton deal. As you said, he was never paid a huge amount of money, and because of that, the Bengals never spent you know, 20% of their salary cap the way that the Saints might or the Packers might or the Chiefs certainly will in the future at the quarterback position. Now, I think a lot of Bengals fans are hoping that Joe Burrow is good enough that that changes in the future. But while you have him on that rookie deal, that is a big piece of market inefficiency that the Bengals can capitalize on. Unfortunately, they've offset a good amount of those savings at their running back position where going into next year, they're spending way more than they have historically. Historically, they've done a pretty good job at being right around league average in running back spending 
They have ranged from three and a half million up to $14 million with Joe Mixon's extension kicking in in 2021. And with that extension for Mixon and Giovanni Bernard's contract on top of it, the Bengals are spending on average 5% per year of their offense and defensive spending on the running back position. And in 2021, that goes all the way up to 10%. We're going to talk about those numbers specifically and how those numbers might change in 2021 when we start to talk about the offense. But just when you go position by position, you start to see a trend, right? You see, they've been good at quarterback historically, and they've got a rookie contract there now. And at running back, again, they've been pretty good there historically. And now all of a sudden, they, they've decided to pay a running back for some reason. So they've kind of diverged from their previous six years, seven years. And, and now they're in a spot where they're using some of those quarterback savings at their running back position. But then you look at wide receiver, James, and you start to see another place where they're going to be below average over their last seven years coming up next year. And that's the interesting one, because historically they've prioritized wide receiver, right? They haven't been shy about addressing it whether it's in the draft or spending on A.J. Green. They tried to keep Marvin Jones, and obviously that didn't work out. But they, they've been willing to invest uh, a lot of assets, obviously signed Tyler Boyd to an extension. And so now where do they go? We're, we're talking about wide receiver in the draft, but they're at 9.58%, um, and usually they're spending about 14% of the cap on wide receivers on average. So uh, a lot of that is A.J. Green and him making, you know, top of the market money, 15, 16, $17 million a year in 2020, $18 million on the franchise tag. But that's a spot where usually they spend more. Tight end, a little more than normal, which I, th- I think is surprising because you look on the, the surface of it and it's like, okay, C.J. Uzama and Drew Sample on a rookie deal, and that's pretty much it. But they're almost a full percentage point ahead of where they usually are. And that's why I do pay attention to Uzama. As much as he's a, a leader in the locker room, you wonder if they want to get under that um, because you, you have Sample there, you have Uzama there, and they're a bit higher on average than normal spending at tight end. And that includes a bunch of years with, with Tyler Eifert obviously playing that position. Yeah, the exception, of course, is before they started paying Tyler Eifert money. They had a couple of years between Jermaine Gresham and Tyler Eifert getting additional money where they were only spending $4 million, $5 million at the position. So that really drags that average down to get to the most important position. The one that's under the most scrutiny this offseason on offense, the offensive line spending in 2021 is actually projected to be about 7% ahead of their average over the last seven years. They are Ugh. projected to be spending 24% of their offenses, offensive and defensive spending on the offensive line. Now, There will be some moves, I think, that will reduce their spending there or otherwise change their spending there. But it is important to note that despite the fact that they're spending more now, and we'll talk about this more when we get to the offense, their offensive line spending is right in line with league average. And and maybe that tells you instead that they've gotten away with being cheap on the offensive line for some of their recent years in history. You go back to some of their better offensive lines, 2014, 2015, they probably had some pretty good players on pretty good deals and were finding value at the position. So overall on offense, until 2019, the Bengals were spending more on defense than they were on offense. And that changed in 2019, 2020, and 2021. So generally speaking, spending more now on offense than they had in the previous four years, they've shifted an organizational philosophy there perhaps 
trying to get things going a little bit more on offense. But overall, over the last seven years, their spending on offense and defense is about 50-50. Shifting to the defensive side of the ball then, interior defensive line is going to be one to watch this offseason. And it makes you wonder if they ever actually planned to keep Geno Atkins after signing DJ Reader to that big nose tackle deal. They're currently projected to be at 22% of their offensive and defensive spending on interior defensive linemen, and almost all of that is Geno Atkins and DJ Reader. Their historic average at the position, 13%. So they're way over budget at interior defensive line, and by contrast, at edge, way, way under budget. Yeah, 1.47%. I mean, it's... It's crazy to see the two, and you would expect that to potentially balance out if they move on from Gino and then maybe keep Carlos uh, Carl Lawson around, excuse me. And obviously the Dunlap deal was part of that and knocked that down even more. Uh, a linebacker, you'd expect it to be low. A lot of young guys, and it is low. They're about uh, spending about a quarter of what they have spent over the past uh, six years, 2.85%, so 3% versus 8.5%. Uh, which is what they're used to, to spending at linebacker. And part of that, Jake, is they've just gotten it wrong. Right? The same thing goes with Edge. Like They've just had so many failed picks where they haven't been in this position to extend any of these guys. And I think that's part of the reason why they're spending so little at both of those spots. There's a couple things going on with linebacker, right? I mean, you've got four guys at linebacker on rookie deals and they're one veteran contract. Well, actually two. Uh, Jordan Evans' contract is expiring. Not that it's a veteran contract, but the end of a rookie contract. And Josh Bynes only signed a one-year deal. So that's taking $2 million off the book at linebacker if neither of those guys come back. And at edge, of course, I mean, they shed Carlos Dunlap's salary. And that was all they were paying at edge. They had young guys in Hubbard and Lawson the last couple of years. But before that... I mean, they were spending a lot more on edge. We'll see how that changes. Going to safety, by the way, I love their positional spending at linebacker. I love that being a place where you're spending less relative to your average. I hope that continues. Uh, But it is hard, I guess, to continue a revolving door at linebacker. But at safety, where I was going was with Sean Williams' money coming off the books, before Jesse Bates' extension, they got a good deal on Von Bell. They're spending less than they normally do at safety, and I think they're spending less than league average there. And to wrap up at corner, this is where things will get really interesting when we wrap up our conversation on the defensive side of the ball. They're projected to be spending about 2% less than their average, but how much room does that leave to add William Jackson's contract into the mix? And how much of that is a trend that we're seeing? Because there is a trend at corner. They've been increasingly spending more at the cornerback position for really each of the last seven years, more or less. On defense, though, like I mentioned earlier, the trend going in the opposite direction, spending less on defense overall, even after that spending spree in free agency last year. We'll talk about how these numbers might change on both the offensive and defensive sides of the ball coming up next. While the Bengals look for a reliable offensive line this offseason, you should know exactly where to look for your auto parts if you're listening to this podcast regularly. It's rockauto.com. We talk about it all the time. I've used it. It's the most convenient way to make sure you have reliable transportation. They're a family business. Rockauto.com has served auto parts customers online for more than two decades. And here's the best part. It doesn't matter what you're looking for, what car maker, manufacturer. They have over 300 different car makers on their website. Whether you drive a Daewoo or a Mercedes-Benz, a Honda or a Toyota, they have what you're looking for. 
at rockauto.com. So go there now, shop for the auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers and make sure you're making the right choice. And the best part, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals as they are for do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? You don't have to at rockauto.com. Go there right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Be sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. We're talking about positional spending today on the Locked On Bengals podcast. We're trying to give you some advice about what you could bet the Bengals would do with their money this offseason. But if you want to put your money where your mouth is and bet on some of these fun Super Bowl props, are you ready for this? BetOnline.ag has you covered. You can bet on the length of the national anthem before the Super Bowl. Over under, James, set at 1 minute and 57 seconds. The length of the last Brave sung during the national anthem has an over under set at six seconds will the brave be concise and to the point or will they really drag out that a there's also a prop bet for whether the anthem singer will forget or omit a word during the national anthem they've even got commercial props who will portray flat matthew in the doritos commercial will it be matt damon matthew mcconaughey matthew broderick matt stafford Matt LeBlanc, Matt Perry. There's so many famous Matts. Check out all of the available props or just bet on the game straight up at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. So James, we gave the overview of what the Bengals have done historically at positions. People have an idea of where they tend to value. And just to summarize that quickly, they tend to spend a lot on wide receiver, They tend to spend a lot on the offensive line. They tend to spend a lot at cornerback, and those things are trending in different directions, spending more at corner, less on defense overall, more on offense overall. And looking ahead to the 2021 cap situation, the Bengals are spending a lot less at a lot of positions than the league average in addition to their own averages, and in some cases spending a lot more than the league average. So let's start on offense and point out some of their biggest inefficiencies or efficiencies compared to the rest of the league. Starting at quarterback, the league average for quarterback positional spending, $20 million. The Bengals, $9.2 million. So obviously there's a lot of extra money there that they saved at quarterback, and you probably expect this is coming. At running back, the league average for spending is $7 million of offensive and defensive money. The Bengals come in in 2021 at $14.1 million. But if they move on from Giovanni Bernard's contract, that gets a lot closer. It goes from more than, well, about double actually league average to just about 50% more than league average because if they if they do manage to or decide to move on from Giovanni Bernard's contract, that number goes down to $10 million still about $3 million more than average and even more above average compared to just the elite eight teams in the NFL this year, but a more reasonable number. And I think that's a no brainer, right? And I I really do. I think they can move off of him this off season and it's really going to be, and I'm going to be curious one, it makes sense to trade him. I think they could get something for him from one of these contending teams. It might not be a valuable pick, but a sixth, seventh rounder or something like that. Right. And you take that if you're going to move on from him anyway. But he's a guy that Zach Taylor bought into, and he defended Zach Taylor. And you do wonder if there would be a disconnect there at all. And the Bengals are an extremely loyal organization. 
So that's the other part of it. And Geo's been serviceable. But when you look at these numbers, especially when you're Jake Lisko and James Rapine on Locked On Bengals trying to find a path to keeping these guys while also adding big time free agents, spending $14 million on a, a running back room that's uh, led by Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard, just that it's not worth it. Especially when you have promising guys at the back end of the roster, they can bring Samaje Pirine back for less money than Gio's making if they want to. And I think that they got a pretty promising start to his career on offense from Travion Williams, fumble aside, butt fumble aside, my gaff of the year, you might remember. I, I think that he showed something as a running back and they have a couple of alternatives there if they do choose to move on from Gio and they could save some money. And wide receiver, with A.J. Green coming off the books, the only real money they have committed at the position is Tyler Boyd. They've got Tyler Boyd and they've got T. Higgins on a rookie deal. They've got Auden Tate on a rookie or seventh-round pick deal. So not a lot of money really being spent at wide receiver. And compared to the Elite Eight, this is a place where the Elite Eight, the last eight teams in the NFL playoffs, spent more than the league average. So compared to league average, the Bengals are about $4.5 million under average. And compared to the last eight teams in the playoffs at wide receiver spending, the Bengals come in just under $11 million short of that average. So this could be a place you could see them invest either draft picks or money. Or if they do neither of those things, you would expect, well, now they've got a lot of money. They're not spending a wide receiver to invest elsewhere. And it's going to be interesting to see which way they go there. I, I don't think they should be terribly comfortable with the idea of Tyler Boyd and, and T Higgins being really their only two reliable commodities of wide receiver. I think they do need to add to the room. It'll be interesting to see whether they go with the draft pick angle or, or the financial angle to address it. And that's the key is, is balancing that out because they're used to spending more at the position. So while we talk about, maybe using the fifth pick or the 37th pick on a wide receiver, they may say, hey, let's go get a, a proven commodity there and we'll address linemen in the draft and we'll do it that way. Because I, I could totally see that. And we're going to talk about the line more, but them getting value at tackle in the draft would be something I think they would sign up for all day long, guard specifically, uh, when you're looking at the offensive line. And so, yeah, maybe they do decide, hey, we've been paying A.J. Green for years. We're not paying him. He's going to move on. Hey, Kenny Galladay, you, you want to come to Cincinnati or, or you know, maybe Allen Robinson or, or someone in the tier below that Curtis Samuel, um, heck, even a tier below that Josh Reynolds from Los Angeles has ties to Zach Taylor. Obviously, maybe uh, they'll bring the former Rams wide receiver over, but he's certainly not a guy that would push your budget too much. But I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they invest in, in a veteran or two, maybe even bring back a guy like Michael Thomas, Alex Erickson, guys like that, that they like in free agency. That's a place where you could definitely see them spending another seven, eight million dollars. It wouldn't be out of the norm for them, especially because they have T. Higgins for the next three years on that rookie deal. Not too much to talk about at tight end, James, except for the idea that maybe they're not getting as much value as they're paying here. The top eight teams in the NFL this year paid roughly the same thing as the Bengals did at the tight end position. The Bengals did come in a little bit ahead of league average because they paid C.J. Uzama. And they have a second round contract in Drew Sample. I'm not really sure that there's a ton there. They're not going to cut CJ Uzama by all indications that I would expect. Unless something dramatic changed or he didn't manage to recover from the injury, which 
by all accounts is going well. I think they like Uzama, but the offensive line does get very interesting. At $34 million, the Bengals are just below league average for offensive line spending, not even not anywhere close to league average in offensive line play. So how do you marry that? How do you, how do you make that make sense? Well, you, you cut some of the the money that you're not getting anything from. And just by moving on from Bobby Hart and BJ Finney or re-signing either to less money, for example, that gets them from $34 million to $24.5 million at the position. And then you can go spend $12, $14 million on a tackle and you're not that far off from league average. You're not overspending on the offensive line. So plenty of space for them to do that if they make some of these cap moves that we're talking about. And that's going to be key is are they willing to make these moves? And I think we saw a a turn and change in philosophy when they moved on from the Drake Kirkpatrick's of the world, even Andy Dalton, right? They knew that that it, it might be painful, but they're going to have to do something that they didn't normally do. And so this year that has to continue. Finney's one, honestly, maybe you extend heart and try to knock his cap number down so he can be that backup type tackle that you talk about because I do think Bobby Hart's a very serviceable backup tackle but when he's your starting tackle that's when you make the Bobby Hart face and you cringe and and you you don't want to have to do that so I think that's part of it as well and uh, maybe not maybe they just decide to move on and and go from there but I do think they like him right he's kind of like a Uzama for them on the offensive line even though he's not viewed that way in the public the, the coaching staff, everyone looks to him as a leader. He obviously does have a year of experience with Frank Pollock as well. So they can do a lot of things here. I think we all agree, regardless of what they do, even if they have to go above their average and go above historically and go above maybe even league average or the, the top teams in the league, overpay if you need to. Just find a way to keep number nine upright. And uh, they may have to go that route. But it, it is going to be interesting to see one where they invest their resources because everyone's talking about tackle, right? Use the fifth pick on Penny Sewell. Well, what if they want to spend big money there and, and then historically they don't spend at guard? So are, are they really going to bring in a Joe Tooney like people are talking about? So uh, it's uh, it's one of the many dilemmas and things that, that are going to be worth watching over the next few months. And the other thing that we're going to have to talk about is there are some places on the defensive side of the ball where they are well below their own and league average. And some of that is due to rookie deals. And some of that is due to expiring deals. They are going to need to field a team on defense as well. This will demand some resources too. We'll get into that balance and where that money might need to go on the defensive side of the ball coming up next. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Before we get into the defense wholesale, James, let's look at one last thing on the offensive side of the ball. If they make all of those moves we talked about, cutting Geo or trading Geo, cutting Hart, cutting BJ Finney, that gets the Bengals to 66 and some change 
million spent on the offensive side of the ball. You compare that to the elite eight teams in the NFL in terms of their committed money going forward, and that's $101 million. If we look just at the 2020 season on offense, the average elite eight team in the NFL spent $93.5 million on offense. So the Bengals well below that average or would be well below that average if they made those moves. So if they were to cut back there and then invest another $25 million in cap spending on the offensive side of the ball, that gets them pretty close to league average. But competing for those $25 million are going to be some defensive positions. I think if Geno Atkins comes off the books, they're $31.38 million. They're projected to spend a defensive line in 2021 goes down to $21 million or so. There's about a $10 million cap saving there, uh, nine and a half to be specific. That gets them about in line with league average at the position. You've got a ton of money sunk into DJ Reader. It's hard to see me spending, hard hard for me to see them spending more money there. But at edge, they're spending $2 million. They have $2 million on the book for edge rushers in 2021. And that's Sam Hubbard, and Khalid Kareem, and I, that, that might be it. You know, maybe there's some other futures <laughs> contracts out there, but the, the league average, and, and this is about the same for both the league and the Elite 18s, $19 million. So most of the league is spending on one guy is, is what that tells you. The Bengals currently spending on no guys, and, and that can obviously change in a big way when Carl Lawson comes in and asks, hey, give me $15 million, $16 million a year. And that makes perfect sense, right? You see a $17 million gap and you wonder, oh, well, that's probably enough to get Lawson, who's probably going to ask between, maybe he asked for 17, but get anywhere from 11 to 15. And, and the 17 would be the franchise tag in that range if you're going to tag him. Um, but, and I may be a million or two off, but that's me just guessing without looking. Uh, b- but it could also mean, let's say you get him, you add another edge, either in the draft on day two, or an edge in free agency that isn't of Lawson's ilk, but just another guy that can help get pressure on the quarterback. Because this was their biggest weakness outside of offensive line. And, and so that that's the scary part, is when you see the weakness and there's no spending there. Because say what you want about the Bengals' offensive line and those issues, they've tried. They've tried to address it, and they've spent money, and they've made trades, and they've spent draft picks. They've just gotten it wrong. And, and on defense specifically defensive line, they've uh, it, it's been a struggle. They got old there quick. They've gotten some draft picks that have just been off. And uh, if they don't pay Carl Lawson, I really don't know how they're going to get pressure on the quarterback unless they go out and get one of these other edge, free agent edge rushers, which we know how the Bengals are. They like their own. So I would assume that's the route they're leaning. There also aren't very many guys on the edge. Carl Lawson's probably – arguably, maybe not probably, but arguably the best free agent edge player available. Maybe he's not overall, but there's definitely an argument there. You definitely expect him to spend some money at the edge rushing position. Linebacker we talked about a little bit earlier, James. I love that this is where the Bengals are below average. This is a, this is the defensive equivalent to me of running back. Yes, I understand there are important things that linebackers do. They just don't impact plays the way that some other defensive positions do in the modern NFL. The Bengals here are at $4 million in positional spending compared to a league average of $12 million. 
of positional spending at linebacker at safety with Sean Williams money coming off the books. I think you'll see them take that roughly $5 million below league average and just say, Hey, Jesse Bates, let's start that extension. We'll put $5 million (laughs) into the cap this year, you know, in the first year to, to give you that bonus and, and try to mitigate some of the long-term money with, with some bonuses. So that's a place you could see the spending go up a little bit with the Jesse base extension. And then the one that's really interesting in addition to edge on defense is cornerback with William Jackson coming off the books. The last year of his rookie deal, the Bengals go down to $16.9 million in positional spending at cornerback. This is almost exactly league average. It's, it's a couple hundred thousand dollars more. And all of that is essentially Trey Wayne's money. Like all of it, because it's Trey Wayne's, Darius Phillips, and a bunch of guys that they got uh, as street free agents, more or less, behind those two guys. And so I think the opinion of you and I is that the, the optimal move is to find a way to get Lawson and Jackson back. To do so, you're talking probably $30 million. And that will put the Bengals right back up at league average or, or close to league average, 80 million total dollars on defense. And that would be with something like a tag and a $14 million deal for loss and a tag on Jackson, a $14 million deal for loss. And, but this kind of paints the same picture for me as defensive line did where when they signed DJ Reader, it kind of suggests they didn't plan on keeping Atkins because of just how much money they were spending there unless they really like those guys and think they're really important and they have historically valued interior defensive line. Remember when they tried to go after Warren Sapp, they've also historically really valued corner and have been spending more there every season. And there's a lot of evidence that says that's a good idea, but will they be willing to spend twice league average on corner? I mean, this would be something like what Baltimore is spending at corner, what Pittsburgh is spending at corner, what the bears, what the saints are spending at corner. Like, there are a number of teams spending $25, $28, 32000000 million on corner. Do the Bengals want to join that company? That's their biggest question, I think, to answer this offseason on the defensive side of the ball. And if they do that, the, the thing is, and hopefully they view it this way, it only has to be for a year. Like, let's say they sign William Jackson the third to a you know, three-year, $45 million deal or four-year, $60 million deal. I'm doing $15 million per, and that might be high. I'm just going high on purpose, though. It, Trey Waynes has an out after two years where, you know, you've paid him a lot of that money up front, and, and you can move on if necessary, especially if it's a four-year deal for Jackson. Uh, th- then you it gives you a guy to roll with past the, the Waynes era, so to speak. Uh, but maybe they don't view him that way. And maybe that's why you're right. They went out and got Waynes and they wanted to see if Jackson is that. Uh, I do think it is going to be interesting to see how they use the franchise tag. Because you could see uh, from a, a player standpoint, I think using it on Jackson, it's certainly more affordable. But when you look at loss and see the, the severity of some of his injuries, maybe that's where it, it makes more sense to not commit long-term dollars to him. So it's it's a balancing act there as well. And maybe they're like, oh, well, we'll tag one and sign one. I don't know which one would be easier to sign. I guess Lawson, I would say, but it's tough. But um, it is a balancing act. And we are going to learn if Waynes was the Jackson replacement. I think that's a good way to phrase it because they went out. They overpaid for Waynes 
when you ask pretty much anyone across the league, they view him as a a higher end corner, I think, than most. And if they view him that way, well, then, you know, Wayne's on one side, Darius Phillips on the other. They may be comfortable with that. And that might be what they they roll with into 2021, which if that's the case, Jake, then they should have dealt Jackson at the deadline when they were already out of it. But that's another argument for another day. Yeah, that's another conversation altogether. The other thing that we do have to mention at corner is one way or another, they need to replace Mackenzie Alexander, whether that's with more Mackenzie Alexander or whether they have to go spend four or five million dollars on a free agent slot corner. The other thing we didn't really talk about on any of these positions is maybe they invest a second round pick somewhere. But I think that's because you and I are both of the mind that most of their offseason resources need to go toward the offense and Again, to me, it it just seems like the best way to do that is, as we've discussed, find a way to use a franchise tag on defense, get get one more year at least out of William Jackson, who's right around 30 at this point in his career, and then you free up most of the rest of your resources for the offense if if you can get Carl Lawson back. Because Carl Lawson was healthy, and it was really the only Bengals pass rusher that was consistently winning this year. And, and that was a big recurring complaint for us. So that summarizes the positional spending for the Cincinnati Bengals going into the 2021 offseason. Some cap cuts they can make that free up some money and, and perhaps a little bit of foresight in looking at the history, looking at what they've done recently, looking at where they're below league average, where they're below their own historical average and where they could spend some of those resources this offseason. Tomorrow, we're back with the Locked On Bengals weekend mailbag. Get your questions ready. We'll put a thread up tomorrow on the Locked On Bengals Twitter account, at Locked On Bengals. Until then, Bengals fans, who day, and have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.